Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello one and all, and welcome to Behind the Glass. I'm your host, Sam, from the YouTube channel Seen Through Glass. And I'm Tony from Gravelwood Car Sales. Yes, you are. Uh, each week we get together, we talk about cars, motorsport, F1, car, what else? Cars? Cars. We talk about cars, cars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can watch us on YouTube.com forward slash Behind the Glass. Don't forget to subscribe and turn on notifications. And Tony, if people want to support this podcast, what should they do? Watch it. No. <laughs> But also head to Patreon. You can support us on patreon.com forward slash behind the glass. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the episode. We have a guest. Tony, it's not just you and I this week. Don't swear. (laughs) Be on your best behavior. It's not a girl. You told me, you promised me a girl. I never promised you a girl. You were hoping it's a girl because I think you're a little bit of a pervert. Oh, no, I'm not a pervert. <laughs> it's nice to, have, nice to have some female company. <laughs> it would have been nice to have some female company another week, I promise. Because this week, it's Tim, it's Shmi150, he's here. Yeah. Hello, Very hello. Good. Sorry to disappoint you, Tony. No, 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 it's fine. <laughs> uh, well, I constantly disappoint Tony, so welcome to the club. <laughs> um, but look, thank you so much for coming and joining us here on the podcast. You're our first guest, I think of 2021. We may have had Paul Wallace on at some point, but it's easy to forget Paul Wallace. So let's <laughs> He's pretend. not really a guest. He's not really a guest. Let's pretend you're our first guest. He so lives we, here. Yeah. <laughs> he does, where, where does he live? Here in, in the, the corner. In a, yeah. He has a very nice flat, have you now? He has got a very nice yeah. flat, actually, yeah. The resident guest. The resident guest. He is our go-to, basically, when no one else is free. We call Paul Wallace because he's never doing anything else. <laughs> um, but to clarify, because you just got back from America. Like, I mean, literally, I think online yesterday, right? Or something? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, something like that. So a little bit confusing, but you have done the very quarantines and things like that you need to do to be yep, here. stay at home unlimited numbers of tests basically uh the isolation test to release we're all good lots of negative tests has traveling been a headache or actually a bit of a relief in some way like do you, do you feel like you've escaped some of the mayhem but actually i quite enjoyed the last 12 months of not being on a plane every second or third day the the previous 12 months to, to all everything changing was just way too much for me because you've done long nice stints break. in certain countries, yeah. right? So I spent than... an extended period in Germany through the rest of 2020, and I've started the whole of this year so far in the US. And while I've driven from place to place, I feel like you have more control over what you're doing and less of that last minute pressure to run to an airport and check bags in and deal with the whole kerfuffle of traveling. And, I, and actually, do you know what? I mean, I'm not a big um, YouTube watcher or um, stat man, but you've done the right thing going to America because what else would you have done in this country? Well, it Say in your pants like Paul. <laughs> <laughs> this is turning into a Paul Wallace bashing episode. <laughs> so. It wasn't intentional. I, I left the UK and then the UK decided to lock down. So yeah, it was kind of yeah, like, yeah. Well, well, I'm not going to go back. I've, I've, I put in a huge amount of money to get a, a work visa for the US. So I was like, right, I'll go, I'll go work in the US. Yeah, fair. That's exactly it. I think if you, I mean, it's so funny. I never told you this, but <laughs> over Christmas, when things were looking like they might lock down, I was looking at Dubai as well as, as the whole of the world of social media was going, oh, maybe I should go over to Dubai a couple of weeks. Just bank some content before I come back. And, and I was going back and forth with this to do it. My family said, well, what if you don't go? I said, well, if I don't go, Shmi will. <laughs> I think the next day you put a story up being like, off to Dubai. I said, ah, oh, damn it, I missed it. And you it. can be sure I was there before I said I was there. I know you are. <laughs> oh, did, you go, did you go to Dubai as well? You went yeah, to back Dubai? in December. Yeah. Before Christmas. Just you before Christmas the, out there? Just before, yeah, but just before, because just before the UK closed up shop, basically. Oh, yeah. I was wasn't. gone. And, and the plan was to come back to the UK. But then, of course, we were in Dubai when the UK decided to close up. And at that point, it was kind of like, well, well now we're outside of the US travel ban, which bans you from going into the US if you've been in Europe yeah. on the previous 14 days. Well, it was kind of like, well, I'm in Dubai. 
yeah. I can go to America. So we, I bought a one-way flight all the way from Dubai to Chicago. It was a 15-hour flight. Yeah. <laughs> Not much fun, but then it was like, yeah, let's stay here. And I think as a lot of people maybe didn't understand at the time, is you were obviously following, as you always do, every letter oh, of yeah, laws absolutely and restrictions. absolutely, by the rules with tests you know. and everything like that. It, it's super confusing because there's such a, a timetable element to this now. The rules change within days, within weeks. So what was relevant at the time I filmed it might be different at the time I published mm. it. And that's the stupidly confusing thing. Of course. And, yeah. you know, I think it was tough for people. You know, I mean, it's been damn boring here, I'm going to be honest, for the last three months or so. And so it was easy to look at somebody who looked like maybe they had appeared to have uh, not bent a rule, but just, you know, basically done something which... Well, they all wanted to do. Not helped by the articles in the Daily Mail about influencers going partying. Oh my god! I mean, I mean, that's that's obviously not my thing at all. My thing is go film a car and then order delivery or Uber Eats and sit down in front of my laptop. We never doubted it. (laughs) I've been I've been on enough trips with you to know that it wasn't going to be glamorous, but it was going to be content that we wanted to watch. So fair play to you. Um, Well, yeah, thank you for joining us. We're going to do a a little bit of chat. We've got got a tiny bit of car news, nothing that major. Um, Tony's got some inside track on something very interesting, which we're going to be discussing. But actually, we want to pick up on something we discussed last week so last week we did a sort of episode talking about youtuber car collections you were mentioned tony was quite nice i, I didn't go in on you, you did. well, no, not, thank you <laughs> no not that bad you were all right actually no, you were rude right. about other people you, I, you weren't that rude in general i actually. wasn't that no, rude no no no, no. <laughs> i'm like me but <laughs> we were talking about whether nowadays this sort of you know car collecting in general but car collecting for youtube like does it make sense still like what how what how does it work what are the the benefits and the potential losses and how outside of youtube maybe car collecting culture is changing. So that'll be the main topic that we'll, okay. come, we'll come back to. Now, we have to talk about a car which Tony uh, nearly ordered, sort of. Or did. <laughs> or did, or didn't. Or I, didn't. Don't, I don't really know. <laughs> the Koenigsegg Jumeirah. Tim, you recently had a go on one. I, I did. I got a passenger, passenger ride in the, the Jumeirah. In the, the prototype pre-production, you know, the show car, the original show car, so not exactly full production spec, just a gentle electric were around a car park you know it's not a it's not a full car so talk to us because we've been a little bit dismissive of it i think um uh, uh, over the last few months when you're in it when you're sort of riding in it and you're sitting in it is it impressive is it a cool concept of a four-seater hypercar it's a completely unique thing right if, if you i always find this fascinating if you talk about the world of hypercars if you rewind back about 10 years if you wanted to spend over a million pounds on a car you could buy a bugatti veyron mm. done if you want to spend over a million pounds now, you don't even have to go further than each company to find multiple. Mm. Aston Martin, Valkyrie, Valhalla, various different Zagatos and uh, continuation models. McLaren, Elva, Speedtail, Sabre. It, it, it's crazy how this world has completely exploded. I haven't even mentioned Bugatti, of course. Chiron, Chiron Pursport, Chiron 300+, Devo, Cento Dieci, La Voiture Noire. <laughs> Tony's going, I don't know what any of those are. <laughs> yeah, this, this, is, this is my, uh, I guess, my, my part of the, part of the, this is the field. car world. But you now have a choice of about 40 different million pound plus cars. Um, it's, it's completely, like, completely mad, but so many of them effectively do the same thing. The Jamira sits entirely in its own spot. No one else makes an uber luxury or, or you know, uber, I don't know how to call it, hyper GT, hyper G, like a, a four sure. seat car, not something that's just for the racetrack. For now. For, for now. For now, for, now, for sure. Yeah. So is it almost like the first hyper SUV? You know, if, if Ben Tager sort of kickstarted, maybe it was Ben Tager, kickstarted this super luxe high end SUV. Yeah. Is that maybe what Jumeirah the Jumeirah is the first that kickstarts the hyper? Hyper saloon or hyper, hyper four seater, hyper, hyper more than two seat. Well, more than two seats, Speedtail, T50, et cetera, et cetera, but four seats at least. Um, so I think it's pretty cool. But then historically, if you look at any brand, you know, Ferrari and their four seaters, Aston, Bentley, the four seat cars go yep. off, a, off a cliff in terms of mm. values. Um, and I, I, you know, I have no idea what a, a, a Koenigsegg of this ilk will do in the future, but you've got to be conscious of that side of things. These are cars that if they get used, they get driven. And they're great to buy if you intend to keep and use it and run it. I don't know. But as a, it, it is a question mark because, you know, also I we spoke about the fact that I think, you know, the Koenigsegg customer is a very specific person at the moment. Maybe this is going to help widen up their customer base. And I definitely know that lots of people who have that kind of money are intrigued by the fact that you could have a four-seater hypercar. But it feels like that, yeah, Koenigsegg owners are Koenigsegg buyers, if that makes sense. Yeah. There's not too many... How many are they making? How many are they making? 300 cars. And as I understand it, a lot of the customers are new customers. I know multiple people who don't own a Koenigsegg who have ordered a Jumeirah, okay. which is it's really cool. And if, I mean, I don't know if you've met 
Christian von Koenigsegg, but the man is a genius. Everybody who works at that company is incredibly, incredibly clued on. And you feel that passion. If you ever meet with them or you're there on the show stands or you, if you go to the, the factory in Angleholm in Sweden, it's amazing to spend any time around them because I've just never seen anything like it in terms of the way they approach things and the way that everybody's so connected and future thinking. And you look at the technology in the Jamira, two litre, three cylinder engine. It's not yeah. Ferrari though, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Classic Tony comment. But surely this is a this is kind of also the future of our supercars of our hypercars. If you even if you look at F one tech, which obviously my, here my, we go <laughs> my area, uh, smaller combustion engines with you know either hybrid tech or or uh, e fuels or whatever it might be is surely the future where we're going to end up, rather than these hunking great V twelves, which we're mm. you know potentially going to know goodbye what? to. I, I honestly think that this might not go the way that everybody currently thinks it is. Obviously, there's this huge push right now from governments around the world. World, legislation, discounts, benefit and kind bonuses, all sorts of things that make it easy to get into an EV in exactly the same way that two decades ago you could get into a diesel. Mm-hmm. I think we're yet to find what's next. And I hope that whatever it is allows us, you know, Porsche with their synthetic fuels, for example, I hope that whatever it is allows us to keep running V12s for our weekend fun while our normal daily cars can be EV where appropriate. Yeah, that makes sense, doesn't it? If you have 80% of cars that are electric and leave the 20% for us petrol heads to drive around in at the weekends, I would, be, I would be more than happy to drive an electric car around every day if I can charge it in three minutes because that's how long it takes me to fill my car up. That's, that's a quick fill up. You can do it in three minutes. <laughs> no, no, but okay, okay. Well, I've seen him at a petrol station. Uh, he buys a chocolate bar. He's chatting no, to the bird no, behind don't. the desk. I've got three minutes. I've done time. Busy man. I'm very busy. Okay, five minutes. Sure. <laughs> Seven minutes if you're going in M&S because you have to queue up. Nine minutes if it's a pretty yeah, long <laughs> behind the, if you're, behind the if you're pulling into a, a fuel station, right, it, it's yeah. probably 10 minutes from when you pull into when you leave. The difference with an electric car is you don't even have to spend that 10 minutes. You just plug it in when you get home and it's ready for the next morning. As long as your journey is relatively short. Yeah. yeah, not, within, not the 100, really, yeah. within 175, 200, 250 miles, whatever yeah. it is. But then even if your journey is 250 miles, just stop somewhere and get a McDonald's or something and well, plug it no in for 20 minutes. Though, at the moment, because I, I tell you what, I've done, I've done over 300 miles today. Well done. In the van. Congrats. It would have took me two hours longer in an EV. You can't go as fast either. Not Yeah, you can. Not for not for as long though. Not for as long. You can as happily it. cruise at seventy miles an hour. Yeah. But, but How fast do you want to go, Tony? Seventy-seven. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> that is a uh, not. Uh, uh, we're not. We're going to cut that out. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, you know, this is an ongoing discussion that we have pretty much every week at the moment on the podcast. And you're sort of amazingly on trend, or at least on trend with our thinking, which is, you know, we don't believe that the current situation, this real heavy push towards EVs is the final solution. No, because it's not. It doesn't make sense globally. You know, there are places around the world. Take South America. You yeah. can't expect them to be able to all transition over to EVs because, you know, they have parts of their country that just aren't accessible. You know, it, it, mm. it just wouldn't make sense. Even in the US. You're even so in right. the US, there are parts of the US where it would never work. It mm. would never work. And so there has to be other solutions. And I think, uh, interestingly, Lucas Degrassi, uh, I know, Tony, you're a big fan, Formula E driver. Um, <laughs> he did an interesting tweet saying that Formula One really need to push for synthetic fuels. If anyone's going to lead the development and this is anyone's going to showcase what's possible, it's them. It's relevant for manufacturers, all the manufacturers that are in that sport. As you say, it it means that Formula One could switch back to a V12 or V10 and have the spectacle of Formula One and the sound, but in a sort of, you know, carbon neutral or, or green way um, and keep Formula E for electric. You know, don't try and concentrate in other areas of planting trees, Formula One. Focus on the tech and the technology because that's what's benefited the automotive world for so long from Formula One. Flappy pad of gearboxes yeah. and all these different things have trickled down from that sport. So I, I see synthetic fuels, maybe hydrogen as, as interesting, you know, opportunities in the future but yeah it definitely doesn't feel like evs are the um are the the final answer but we we have said this quite a bit so yeah um you're do you like esports like formula e and do you like that do you watch e- it? esports as yeah. in gaming or esports as, <laughs> no, in, no, like, as racing? in as in e- e- racing. ev racing ev racing i mean i don't even know what it's called e- e- esports is the, the terminology for gaming yeah yeah, yeah. Um, i mean i don't do that either but i mean I you mean, know what i mean I've, I've been to a couple of formula e races um, and obviously being able Did to... Did you take to a see. pillow? Did I take what? A pillow. A pillow. <laughs> Just so I have a sleep. 
you, you, well, you, why would you you take a pill up? <laughs> smother yourself. I don't know. That's what I'd do if I was at a Formula E race. Smother me. Nah, it, it, it's very different. You, you get into the kind of trying to follow the gamification side of it. Yeah. And, you know, understanding the different quirks and rules. And if you've come from a computer gaming background, it makes more sense. Okay. Obviously, they're street circuits, so they don't have the same, or in many cases, they're street circuits. They don't have the same high speed as Formula One mm. or, or other things. But it's a completely different approach. And it makes more sense the more you follow it. Yeah, for fair. Sure. No, if you no, just fair. watch one race as a petrol head, it's very easy to say, "Oh, there's no noise. I don't care about this." Mm. But when you start watching a couple more and start understanding all of the intricacies of it, it actually gets much more exciting. But I think you've hit the nail on the head there as well. I'm of a generation I'm a little bit older than you two, and I'm of a generation where yeah, we did have computer games back then, but not as prominent as it is now. Yeah. So maybe maybe this generation probably get it a lot more than I do. So yeah, I mean, I, I before I think to attend a race, I think is exciting for Formula. E. I yeah. found it exciting, you know, to as you say, to follow the storylines, to follow the sort of t- you know what's going on over a day. I think on TV it's dead, and and you know, still for me, you know, as a motorsport nut and in inverted commas, you know, I don't follow a season, I don't watch every single race, but I do attend, enjoy attending the events. Um, but but you're right, maybe that is a, a generational thing. Who mm. knows? But you're also very stuck in your in your ways when it comes yeah. to EVs versus combustion engines. Yeah, it's like my daughter's not going to know any different probably mm. she's four by the time she gets to drive there won't be will she cars, ever get to drive or will she yeah exactly that's another that. question i mean that's will the big question be autonomous subscription mm. services where effectively uber becomes your there you go i mean yeah. I, I think the desire from young people to really own a car now is is ever decreasing right mm. um what's the motivation you know if you lived in London today. I mean, I think most people our age still question whether it's worth having a car in central London. Mm. So, yeah. if you're if you're growing up these days, well, let us know if you're a younger listener. Um, you know, well, actually, if you're a younger listener to this, you're going to be into Ferraris and Lambos and things like that. Probably so, why the wrong aud- to this. Yeah, the wrong audience. <laughs> anyway, what I love is that. Tim, you've come on here and Tony has ever so slowly been trying to get you to agree with his bizarre thought process about life. And all you're doing is pushing him back. And he keeps, no, he's not. He keeps, yes, you are. You keep, no. What do you think about e-games? No, no, I'm just asking him. <laughs> just asking him a question. It's just nice to have someone else to talk to apart from you. Ooh, fair enough. <laughs> uh, well, look, we're going to move on uh, to McLaren. I, I, oh, really? I, I think you saw this coming. <laughs> I did. Um, but, it, but actually, we would have talked about this whether you were here or not. Um, at the beginning of the year, or actually even last year, we were talking about McLaren a lot. I had my, a great experience in the 720S Spider at the start of the year, uh, a brand new car that I enjoyed a lot. Uh, and there were some positive noises coming out of us, um, but mm. also out of McLaren themselves. However, this week, Tony, what did you discover? Uh, McLaren are at it again. <laughs> <laughs> so he calls me and he just says this. And I go, McLaren are at it again. Yeah. So, explain what. <laughs> so, they're doing unbelievable deals on 720Ss now. So, uh, the example I got 249 car. 249,000 pound car. 249,000 pound car. 70, I think it's 72,000 pound off. Discount. 72 grand. Are you joking? It's 30%. It's an F Type R. Yeah, brand, not, brand not new, kind of unregistered brand stock car. Spanking new stock car. But stock, not not your own spec. Yeah, yeah, but but that will be that will be um, factory backs that money because obviously the dealer doesn't have anywhere near that sort of money in the car. So no. that will be McLaren saying there's fifty grand, say contribution, and the dealer's got to do the twenty two. Um, Sixteen nine nine a month, sixteen grand deposit. Oh wow! Three three years, give it back five thousand miles a year. I mean, it is really good value, but you're yeah. effectively just leasing a supercar, so it's going to cost it's like you seventy grand or something. Yeah, a bit more across three years. Yeah, with the deposit, probably eighty grand. Um, so it's twenty seven, twenty eight grand a year, roughly, to run a supercar. Obviously, you've got to service it, but. This is the problem that I have with McLaren. This is this is what's damaging the brand. Literally stuff like this. Before we get Tim's opinion, let me just say, why does that upset you? Because surely for us, people who love supercars, that's a cracking deal. Like, is that not a great opportunity that we could go and live with a 720S for theoretically good money? Like not that much money. Yeah, yeah. So um, it doesn't upset me, by the way, because I'm not buying one. I couldn't <laughs> give a toss. Um... The the biggest problem is is if they're selling them new with that money off, how much is a used one? So well, what, within twelve months, a used one was one twenty five. Yeah, yeah. 
so true that. yeah, yeah. So when you want to come out of that car, say, because who keeps a supercar three years in general? Take him out of it. <laughs> Uh, um, well, yeah. I was about to give the example of my 675. I've had it for five years and it's cost me less than 27 grand a year if you average it out over five years. Yeah. Well, but, okay, so fair. Should we, should we let, because I want to ask, because Tim, is de- you're definitely more of a McLaren fan, maybe? Is that fair to say? Or you're more? Uh, I mean, I've owned a few. Um, oh, I've, had, I've had five. You I still have two of them. Would you say, like, today you feel differently about the brand than you did five years ago when you were collecting your LT Spider? So back at the very, when I had my 12C, um, which I bought in, I went to look at it in December 2013. So pretty early days of McLaren. P1 had just come out. 12C, 12C Spider was on the road. And for me, it was really exciting because McLaren weren't Ferrari or Lamborghini. They were this new, very tech-focused, exciting, you know, especially for me being a somebody in that that kind of space, social media, like what's going on here? This is cool. It's different. So so the 12C for me at the beginning was something quite different in it. They had foibles, you know, the infotainment, the iris system was completely atrocious at the very beginning. And there were lots of things that didn't really work so well. And they had all sorts of issues as they still do. Um, the brand now I would say is very different. Obviously the portfolio has expanded and I was actually at McLaren just now having a look at Artura. Oh, nice. I went to the, to the HQ, to the MTC to take a look at it. That's a problem, but we'll come back to that in a minute. That's a problem. I'll tell you why. Just, just let Tim speak. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's it's not quite the same now. And and one of the, the difficulties I think they have is that every car is so good and so fast that there is a lack of differentiation between them. Even a McLaren GT is stupidly fast. And in any real-world situation... Whether you're in the McLaren GT, it's stupidly fast, or the Speedtail, it's stupidly fast, or the Senna, it's stupidly fast. They're all stupidly fast. Mm-hmm. You're like, same thing, same, yeah. same. Yeah. Um, I think it's great that Artura is different, different engine, different gearbox, different tub. It's not the same car. About time. But it still falls into the same McLaren. It's really, really fast with a twin turbo, something or other. Um, and, and that is, you know, a difficult part of it. They've introduced a few things... I would say finally that are good, like having a service plan, having a five-year warranty on Artura, things that make it more appealing to buy a new car, mm-hmm. which is probably brings us back to your 720 lease deal, because now if you order one, you want an Artura, not a 720. Well, do you? So what were you What were you going to say that do you, Artura that, is a problem? Well, what? Uh, an Artura, I'm not really sure I'm pronouncing it right, is 240 grand with some spec on it, right? Roughly with, with options, with some options, they're about maybe even a bit more, right? It's 185 base, so oh, uh, yeah, 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 230, 240. So, on finance, that will be more than their super series car because 720s they do unbelievable deals on. So, what's going to happen what in saying. a minute okay. is someone's going to come in and go, Um, I'd like to buy that car, and then turn around and see that the, the step up car is less. Well, if, if I had to read between the lines here, a bit of deja vu when, let's say, even the 650 came out and the 12C was still for sale, was the official line. 720 has kind of been superseded by 765 because you can go and buy a 765 if you want one. Mm, fair. In some markets, not every market. Yeah, 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 sure. So Artura has kind of replaced 720, which is why they're getting rid of all these stock cars. But uh, our talk... It's not replacing 720, though. It's a step no, it's, down. It's, it's, yeah, officially not. Officially not, but real world, it is the next step of technology. The, it's but, the next step of technology. But and it's just as fast. Fair. But you think that there's going to be a 770 Super Series car, right? And that will probably step up to 400 grand. Joke. The problem is <laughs> yeah. as well... No, no, the problem is as well... I get what you're saying. And, and the other problem is as well that... that I know you're saying that all McLarens are fast, and they are all fast, but so are all supercars in general. Yes. An Audi R8 V10 Plus is stupidly fast. An AMG GTR Pro, stupidly fast. A, a 488, normal base one, stupidly fast. Lamborghini Huracan, they're all stupidly fast and too fast for the road. It's You're right, but I think the, the, the thing that frustrates me sitting here and listening to you talk is that <laughs> d- despite, no, no, despite all of our hope, at the start of the year, or my good experience, the the, the sort of our, our dreams to feel positive about McLaren again. We're here three months later, looking at it, going, it's still a mess, uh, and that's really, I think, where they're losing so much customer confidence. Is not only are the products, you know, you know, having issues, and people have lost confidence in the actual cars themselves from a reliability or functionality point of view, 
But we're all sitting here now going, well, so is the R2 a better than 720? Or 720's cheaper and Honsec, but the LT replaces it. Even though, theoretically, they now have these very clear lines of the Sports Series. No, 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 no. Sports Series is gone. Sorry, the GT, the Super, the R2. I mean, theoretically... This is is what I find confusing. (laughs) GT and Artura, and then Super Series, Series. which will end after the 765, and then Ultimate Series, which has too many cars as well. So, actually, it is just still a a bit of a disaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And, And as you say, then point proven when you walked into a dealership saying look I want to embrace McLaren 2 I've heard things are, are getting better there let's buy a car I want the Artura well sir did you know you could have a 720s for cheaper I mean it's just all a bit over the place mm. and and Ferrari <laughs> beloved Ferrari not uh, just Ferrari mate Porsche yeah. Lambo etc yeah do they do a similar thing like uh, does no that chance. happen on I guess Lambo don't make so many models, but surely with Ferrari, there must be a few final 488s when the F8's been launched that they've got to kind of push out the door. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but, but they wouldn't do 35 or... No. Sorry, they wouldn't do 70-odd grand off. Ferrari would find another way to do it. It would be more like, if you would like an SF90, yeah. you could pick up this 488 and trade it back in against the SF90. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so they sort of safeguard themselves a bit in a different way. Porsche yeah. did the same. Porsche do the same. Oh, Lamb- Porsche is brutal. Yeah, they are. They're, they're actually the worst Porsche for getting GT cars in terms oh, of... Oh, yeah. They're, they're the worst out of all of them. Um, Lamborghini aren't going to like me for, for saying this, but they'll do 20 grand off a Hurricane. But that's it. Normally, you won't get any contribution from the factory, but you'll get contribution from the dealer, dealer. essentially. A bit of an if you get a, you know, If you get a good dealer, that's the most you'll kind of get off a, a Lambo. In general. But at least it's a bit more straightforward. With it's Lambo. not seventy-two grand off. Well, it's not seventy-two it's grand. Just at least you know, there's basically two cars to choose from, unless you want to get a Euro. So I mean, yeah, you know, at least yeah, it's yeah. a bit. It's a little bit more straightforward, at least. Yeah. Um, Tim's getting a Lambo. You're getting a Lamborghini. I'm getting a Lambo. Your first one. My first Lambo. Have you spec spec the car up? Yeah, like half an hour before I got here. No <laughs> way. Okay, so <laughs> we, really? So we can't like, ask. No joke. I've got the orders to come right. Like, just just literally in my inbox. Well, you can show us off <laughs> camera. <laughs> yeah, after you can show us. So just to clarify, you this is the Huracan STO, right? Yeah, super trofeo. Super. Homologato. Homologato. Very so good. I want one just so that I can say homologato. Yes, yes cool. <laughs> um, so why, why now? Like, because... I had a Lambo f- fan moment uh, a while ago and I wanted a Mark 1 Garda Superleggera. Which is cool, yeah. Super cool, right? But you, I feel like you have this thing, so why did you suddenly decide now's the time for a Lambo? If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Amber. I wouldn't say it suddenly. Um, I, I've had, obviously, a big connection with Lambo, filmed so many videos with Lamborghinis. And do you know what? I know with my audience that it's the number one brand. You, you don't have to look beyond filtering my videos on my channel to buy a number of views to see that Lamborghini is what people want to see. They're well, all we said this last week, didn't mm. we? Um, so, so partly is wanting to 
satisfy the audience demand for sure. the Lambo. That, that's where this kind of began, I would say. You know, I've been teasing it for years, working out what to go for. But partly is also having had so much experience of Porsches, Ferraris, McLarens, Aston Martins. I want to try what Lamborghinis yeah. are. <laughs> like, I want to know what it's see, like to buy a Lambo. See what it's like to experience. So... You could have just called me, I would have told you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, do you know what? Back when the Performante launched, I put my name in the hat for a Performante. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it basically, I, I couldn't do it because it would have come at exactly the same time as my 4GT and my Senna and I was already broke. <laughs> would have yeah, been a yeah, yeah, would know about that. that. <laughs> it would have been, would have been one, one too many. Uh, it was already probably one too many. But anyway, the uh, thing then was, you know, what would be the right car and, and obviously I've seen the rumours of the STO for a while and this will talk about what you're going to come to I think with mm-hmm, car mm-hmm, collections mm-hmm. my collection is very road but track variants mm, all sure. track cars lap record cars that kind of thing it's my preference of car as well so you know collections whether it's cars shoes watches whatever it is in life generally have a theme and that's that's my theme so I had considered the SVJ a little bit but I've never been a big fan of Aventador's. It's just pile of me. shit. <laughs> yeah. I, I like the more dynamic, lightweight, nimble. Sure. You know, the McLarens, the 4GT, that kind of style drive. Um, and I had put my name in for the STO, but when I drove the Hurricane Evo rear-wheel drive for the first time, it was unlike any other Lambo. Good car, isn't it? Take out the weight on the front mm. axle. Take, take off that kind of clunky four-wheel drive, which obviously is what no purist driving enthusiast wants anyway make the steering a little bit more responsive and more connected. The car is a little bit lighter. Everything just feels so much better. Mm. And if the STO is, well, it is based on that. It mm-hmm. is the track version of the rear-wheel drive. It, on paper, it ticks every box. I haven't driven one yet, obviously. So it's just kind of like, now's the right time. That's the right car. And I like colourful cars, and I don't own something in this colour. So oh, you know what would be interesting? There. You, yeah. know what would be, you know what would be interesting? Is the 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 difference between that and the black series? Oh, it's going to be fascinating! I cannot wait. Yeah, taking delivery two, of two cars this year, which directly head to head compete with one another, same price, but in a very different way, right? I mean, they go about well, aggressive rear wheel drive, rear wheel drive, very fast, similarly priced, front mid, cars. rear mid, or f- front. What would you call front mid versus rear mid? Yeah, Mercedes yeah. um, is heavy still, though, right? I doubt it's much heavier than the STO. Probably a little bit heavier, mm. but it won't be a lot. How much lighter is it than uh, than the Pro and the AMG GTR? The, the Black the Series is no lighter than, well, like 20 kilos or something. Yeah, yeah. Because so it adds all the carbon wings and splitters. Okay, and fair. So it's nearly still 1,600 kilos. I bet that STO's 1,300 kilos. No, 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 no. I'm going to go with 1,500. The Perf was less than that. Oh, Tony sometimes pulls it out of the bag. One three three nine. Yeah. No, yeah. It's just no. That's yeah. my maybe dry weight, dry, dry weight, dry weight. Yeah, dry weight. So it's early. Fall. I mean, like really dry. So like being in the desert for four weeks, dry. It's we'll put we'll put time. mine on scales. Okay. There, there's but, a you know I'm there'd putting two hundred my... kilos in them. There'd be two hundred kilos in them. That's no. a lot, mate. How much no. is a pista? Light. Uh, twelve eighty dry. Uh, claim well cla- claim figure or real figure? Oh, yeah, Ferrari figure. Twelve eighty dry. Yeah. And he's read it off a brochure somewhere. But yeah, <laughs> no. I just no, don't no. like to test him every now and again. I like to test him every now and again. G- GT three RS is very light as well. Oh, don't. <laughs> the lightest of them G- all. G- G- no, it's not actually. Okay, so Pista's lighter. Fair enough. Pista is. Yeah, but the Pista isn't really lighter. It's just on paper lighter. Don't you dare. <laughs> so be careful, Tim. Seven six five is light. Yes, it is. Mm. The 765 is very light. Yeah. And McLaren are right with their numbers. I won't do what every single Just member not. of your audience does and ask you why you're not getting one of those cars, Tim. But what I will do is ask... <laughs> Which it, car? Uh, the 765LT. Because we've, we've, oh, yeah. we've talked about Black Series. I've got series, enough McLarens. Okay. And enough, enough 300 and something thousand pound track supercars <laughs> coming this year. Yes, you do. I don't need another one. <laughs> is your audience... Uh, predominantly still US or is it I mean I know it's global but is your largest yeah, demographic US, US is massively really so people, you, people don't realise this but for, for me of, of views US is kind of 32 33% UK a, is about what's yours? 10 uh, UK is 27 28 then US at 21 22 it's interesting isn't yeah, it? but I film so much in the US so you'd expect that well the reason I asked is because we noticed this when we were talking about YouTuber car collections last week the Americans pretty much all have Lamborghinis mm. yeah. and 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 you mentioned there was a kind of desire from your audience and I wonder whether that is a thing you know that the American audience just lap up and love Lamborghini content and this does bring me on to our sort of bigger topic and our bigger discussion is that you should have said that you were buying that car really to 
sort of give the audience what maybe they want to see. It's part it's part of that. I wouldn't say it's exclusively that, but it's all the different factors. I mean, if if I got a pound for every person over the last few years who's asked me why I don't own a Lamborghini or when I'm buying a Lamborghini, I wouldn't be paying for this STO. <laughs> okay. It would be great. We should start up a GoFundMe page or something like that. <laughs> He's already got a couple of them running. And every time every it's time STG blend. <laughs> every time somebody sends me a, a message, I should just send them the GoFundMe link back. That should literally be how yeah, you do no. it. <laughs> that might be a stretch too far, but I, I, I definitely think you're right. I think Lamborghini have always in many ways represented um, an inspirational kind of thing of, of that more passionate and exciting appeal to everybody, not just car people. You know, it's a Lamborghini. You must have done something crazy to have a Lamborghini kind of thing. And mm. and there's such a more positive attitude to supercars in the US and the UK. Big time. Yeah. I think in general, and, and again, you know, we've said that it's that kind of like go get them attitude. It's that it's that American dream or that sort of mentality of, of success should be celebrated where in some in some parts of the UK, some parts of Europe, it can sometimes be, you know, a negative, you know, to show oh, off yeah. your success or to, to, to go and treat yourself. You know, people can look down on that or, or, or you know be aggravated by that while in america you know you buying a center and a ford gt you know so close together would have been like wow this guy's so cool and well i can summarize this in a nutshell i have done quite a lot of driving in the u.s in in your face cars um obviously the last three months has been in my gt500 it's not supercar supercar but it's bright green and it's full of carbon wings and stuff so it's loud. it stands out very and loud, very loud. loud in the entire time driving that car and i did seven and a half thousand miles in it already I've had whoops, cheers, thumbs ups, cool cars, all sorts of things. On my second day driving here in the UK, I had someone screaming and shouting and waving very negatively from the side of the road. I'll leave it there. Welcome back to Britain. Yeah, and I was like, great. I'd forgotten what this was like. Is what, the- what car were you in? What car was you in? The Ford GT. Oh yeah. Oh wow. Stands out. And, and I can. I mean, I'd shout and scream. At that specific point, I can I can absolutely confirm I was going four miles an hour below the speed limit, so it was okay. not to do with speeding. But it looks quick standing still. That car. It does. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Is the GT500 coming back here? Or was it? It will do. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Sure. I'm super intrigued by that thing. I think it looks cool. You have to drive it. Yeah. It's like a it will be sort of so monster. funny here. And it's so inappropriate for London. I can only imagine. It must be, and it, it's loud from factory, right? You didn't, did you put? No, it's on? silly loud. Silly loud. It's silly, silly, I think silly it's loud. It's a cool thing. Tony it's hates silly the loud. It's stupidly big and wide. Yeah, it's Americana. It's kind of fun, it, right? Fuel efficiency. <laughs> Single figures. It, oh, I've never seen anything like it. Oh it's God. so bad. But I mean, it's, it, no, right, yeah. it's got to be worse. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's probably bigger and heavier than an Aventador is. It's more powerful than most Aventadors. Seven hundred and sixty horsepower. 760. It's just it's not to 60 in seven seconds. Not <laughs> to 60 in probably two points something. I, I don't really? Know. It's, it's, it's no. Tony, it's, Tony, it's really fast. It's a proper really? car. This the GT500 is not interested. Is, is genuinely. <laughs> I, I'm going to get him to drive mine. Please. Just to experience it. Because this happens, right? This happened with the GR Yaris. Yeah. He came in here. He hadn't driven it. He just watched a load of YouTube content. He was like, oh, this piece of crap Yaris. Who cares? Like, it's no, never going to be any good. Trying to slag it off from what he'd read online. Went and drove one. Oh, it's pretty good, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So the please, thing, the please thing with the GT500 is you get out of it with a smile on your face. Obviously, it's a Mustang. So the interior is that of a $20,000 car. It's, yeah. it's not fancy. How much is it? Oh, look, can I ask that? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's it? the, the car with... So my car is what they call the carbon fiber track pack, which is unnecessary and over the top. And that comes in at 106,000 US. Which is what, 70 or 80 grand? Yeah, about 80 days? grand. Yeah. So, so actually, quite interestingly, I had uh, as a press loan for my last week in Miami, a new M3 competition just before I collect mine here. And the M3 and my GT500 were very, very closely priced. Interesting. But obviously, um, very differently in terms of horsepower. I know what one's going to yeah. lose the most money out of them cars. Well, in America, how no, did the no, Mustangs GT500 do? hold up. Yeah, so, well, so yeah. when, I say, yeah. when I say the price, that's including dealer markup. So okay. the actual list price is a little bit lower. Than oh, them. sorry, Tony. Were you going to say the M3 is the one that's going to lose the money? Oh, 100%. Oh, sorry. I, yeah, yeah, I thought yeah, yeah. you were just... Yeah, I no, no. M- M3s will dive um, for they sure. They always do. And all new M cars uh, and you know, things like that do. But the GT500 is just a silly thing. Like I said, it's like a $20,000 car. Mine has $20,000 of carbon wing and carbon wheels. It's my only car with carbon wheels is my Mustang. <laughs> so nice. carbon wheels are like that I ultimate, I'm going to spend a lot to save that yeah, last yeah. little bit of weight. <laughs> and I have it on a freaking Mustang. <laughs> on a Mustang. I um, love it. But then the whole of the, you know, your last $60,000 is on a stonking engine. Yeah, fair. And the engine and the seven-speed dual clutch. The, the shifts are like a Porsche PDK. They just bang through the gears brilliantly. What about suspension and brakes? Surprisingly good. Magna ride suspension system which 
the I've never well no no other car I own has as much uh, variation between its kind of comfort mode and its track mode, which is what makes it quite so good yeah, around, yeah. around a circuit. Yeah. I had a track day in it, and yeah, really impressive. I think I, I would hope that you would be impressed. I think we've got to try and somehow make that happen because I think your eyes would be opened. You would still, he'd still get, even if he enjoyed it, he'd still get and go, oh, I'd never have one. No, I wouldn't. Yes. If I liked it, I'd say fair play. It's good and I like it. Let's well, go flat round Silverstone. <laughs> do it. Just prepare to go to a fuel station every 20 miles. <laughs> Sam, I'm going to lend you the keys at some point and you have to take Tony for a drive. I would love to do that. That was a very kind offer. Um, very kind. Well, look, you mentioned uh, M3s losing a lot of money. Um, which I guess you're going to experience because you've got one coming, right? Yeah. So look, come on, let's let's get into it because, you know, car buying, car collecting on YouTube and in real life, I think is very different to what it potentially was five years ago even. Oh, yeah. When, you know, you could be potentially running a car, doing some miles on it and then selling it for 20, 30 grand profit quite easily. Like it was a done thing. And I feel like mm. a lot of people got into the game because they thought they could take advantage of these, mm. these bubbles or these kind of values. With what we do... Um, inherently, I don't know how I'm going to try and say this, but essentially you must buy cars for content, right? You, there must be cars that you go, I'm purely buying that because I think I can make money out of the content. And therefore, if yes. it loses a ton of money, who cares? Because hopefully I've made more yeah. of it, I suppose. So at what point do you look at a car and go, <laughs> the M3, I'm just going to use an example. Um, how, how much do you have to be aware of how much it could lose? Does that change your mentality over how much content you could create with it? Every car I buy is a calculation of sorts, including the business element okay. in terms of what am I going to shoot with this car? What's the storyline? What what videos am I going to make? Who could I work with? What doors will it open up? You know, direct example here is the McLarens. If I buy a 765 LT, it's a lot of money to spend for no more audience than my Senna. Interesting. For example, whereas M3, I don't currently own a BMW. So there's a lot of value of having a BMW back in the garage for those kind of events and activities and things and, and what that might um, enable me to, to do around it. So there's always that, what's the video going to be angle? But there's also, of course, the personal angle, you know, which car do I want? And there might be something in the garage that at this point in time is probably like one day shy of being posted. Oh, so, oh, oh. So, <laughs> I'm always with the exclusives. And, and this is a car, this is a car that is probably slightly less of, a, of one that I've gone into thinking, oh, this will do well online because it won't. Okay. Right. But it's a car that... It's an emotional... Yeah, it's a car that I wanted. It's so a car that's a question I that I had for you. Do you buy cars for YouTube or because you want them? It's a complete mix. There are certainly cars that I have bought and are buying for YouTube. And do you know what? The funniest example of this I can give you is my first AMG GTR. I so, ordered the first AMG GTR before the GTR was revealed. So yeah, it was... Yeah. Uh, like a, a guess it would be the GTR it was and actually a lot of people thought that would be the Black Series at the time um, and I ordered that thinking I need to get a Mercedes in the garage I've not owned an AMG before so I wanted to make those videos so I actually ordered that car no idea if I was going to like it I loved the SLS at the time to make videos it just so happens I then kind of fell in love with it and okay. more. 55 more 55 more <laughs> yeah but literally so taking the YouTuber sort of side out of it I suppose for two seconds do we think nowadays that sort of, you know, are all, all, all cars going to lose money now? Because yeah, that's the thing. It's, so, it's a different world, right? I get so many direct messages asking me, you know, I've got a slot for this car. Will I make money on it? <laughs> and from people who are in the position of buying cars like GT Black Series STO, for example. But I can't understand how people might still think that a car like a GT Black Series or an STO is going to make money. Yeah, they, they will not. They will lose. Like, I am very aware that these two cars I'm taking delivery of this year, GT Black Series quite soon, and the STO, I think in Q3 or Q4, they're both going to tank 100 grand in two years. But like, that's I know refreshing that. to hear from an owner as well, by the way, bearing seeing from my, because it's my job, obviously. So over the years, and certainly recently, and I think it's been fueled by social media and you guys, that people genuinely do think that they can get in and out of these cars for free because unfortunately, and not you two actually, some YouTubers portray online that they're driving these cars around for free and misleading people and that has never been the case. We all, we know that. There was a, there was a period, there was a really small period where, you know. Well, I think in many cases, if you're 
the first to take delivery of something and mm. you get out of it within two months. Yeah. You know, if you have a GT Black Series in your garage now, while supply is very, very low yeah. and you want to sell it, you could probably get 50 grand over. You get some money. But that same sure. car in six months is not worth overs anymore. No, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but that, that, what I'm saying is that period of time was longer back then, a few years ago. Yes. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't two months. Like, look at, look at um, Performantes for, uh, for an instant. There was a good six, eight, ten months where there were overs, and then all of a sudden, people were ordering them, putting them online, and then there's an oversubscription of cars, and then they start doing that because that's genuinely, genuinely what happens. Um, yep. Even, even like normal four eight eights in sixteen seventeen, there were twenty grand over list. Ferrari yep. dealers send them for oh, that's a normal mainstream car. So, but that has definitely gone. You're right. That that, but it's just refreshing to hear from an owner that buys cars because we do know that quite a lot of. Again, I'm not digging out YouTubers in general, but we do know that some YouTubers buy cars to think that they're going to make money on them, or they're ordering because they're going to make money on them. And it's nice to hear that you don't. You've never done that, and you don't do that. No, the the cars that I probably could have made money on if I'd sold them very quickly, I never did. So you I, I mean, ten thousand miles on them instead. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I can name specific examples. My six seventy five LT Spider. When yeah, I took delivery yeah. of that, I had an offer of six figures over what I yeah, paid for that yeah, on it, yeah, and I turned it down. And I kind of regret that a little bit now. But <laughs> no, I, I bought the cars to buy, and obviously my Ford GT. If I hadn't abused mm. the daylights out of it, I could have probably sold it for stupid money over yeah, what I paid for it yeah. two yeah. years ago. So how? Moving forward, I mean, you mentioned that you're about to reveal a car, which we won't we won't push you on. Um, but, but <laughs> no, let's push you. <laughs> I knew Jenny would say that. <laughs> Is your mentality shifting at all? Because we sit yeah. here week on week and we glorify the sort of the 50k mark at the moment. We're loving the sort of amount of cars you can get new and used in that sort of slightly more affordable way. I also am a huge modern classic fan, so all of my attention goes to cars that you know now are sort of late noughties, early noughties, and that's what I obsess over. From your point of view, someone who's always bought the latest and the greatest, are you now slightly thinking differently about what you're buying? So I did a video recently driving a Lexus LFA, which has been one of my favourite cars uh, for a long time, in which I talked about how I would love to get one, but I'm not about to, firstly, because they are significantly more expensive than I could have bought one five years ago. Mm. And personally, I, I, know, I, I feel like I missed the boat. You know, I don't want to pay sure. double now what I could have had one for not yeah. very long ago. And that that I would never be able to live with myself sure. doing it. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. Maybe they keep going up and up and up and then that's too bad for me. Or maybe one day I'm in a position where that makes less difference. Um, but the other is that, and I said it straight in the video, is that at the end of the day, if I do buy a car that's older, there's less of a YouTube story around it. And that does have an impact. You know, something like my SLS Black Series, I made a whole plan. I, I wanted an SLS for years and years and years. I, there was no secret about that. I made a whole plan of how I was going to respray it, rent tech it, do everything with it. So it was kind of like having a new car because I made it mine and I had a whole series of content and, and, and so forth. So it adds in, in that element. And I think I have, you know, plenty of cars I would love, the LFA, the Carrera GT, for example, but all of these cars have elevated so far in price from you know, I remember being offered a CGT for just over 200 grand and I remember an mm. LFA for about 200 grand and it's like, I can't pay triple those figures now. Yeah, it's, I mean, hindsight's a great thing and Tony yeah. will tell you that Carrera GT should still be worth 200 grand. But no, uh, I won't. Uh, no, I won't. It's just that some of the bizarre figures that get quoted what they're going to be, I, I, I think are unrealistic, to be honest. And, and it's weird hearing you both talking about values and prices and it's a bit of a trade-off for you guys is that if you buy an older car, especially you because you buy the modern stuff it doesn't do quite as well online but the car loses less money yeah. whereas you buy a modern car it loses more money but but it's more prominent online so it's a bit of a balancing act in terms of where you go in the market and yeah, I know you're both switched on so and, and you know if you look at our business we do pretty much the complete opposite where where at the moment at least I, I am buying older crapper stuff yeah. <laughs> um, whereas Tim you do tend to buy m much new stuff have you is there anything firstly I'll ask is that have you been tempted by something I, I'm i going to say old old I know you had your mini and I know that you've dabbled the SLS Black Series, but like something I'm going to say pre 2000 uh, <laughs> and, and, and secondly has there been anything which you bought expecting to either fly and it didn't or expecting to hold its money better and it didn't? 
As in, you see, you want Interesting. Even? So the first question, anything pre-2000, there is something very firmly on my radar for pre-2000. Significantly older, actually. Okay, bloody hell. But not too expensive. So okay. th- this is one of those, when I have the space for it in my garage, that's the time to do it. So It's not a Mercedes Pagoda, is it? No, no, <laughs> not a Pagoda. Oh. Um, like the other part of the question, whether things will fly, I don't think I have ever bought a car with the intention of its value flying. What about YouTube views? I have certainly bought cars with the expectation their value, their YouTube views would fly. And the biggest surprise to me, but I do think I know the answer to it, is probably a surprise, the GR Yaris. Okay. My audience has seems to have, seems to have, not I can't obviously speak for everyone, very little interest in the GR Yaris. And I think it's because it's not available in the US. Because everyone's and got such a large portion of my audience is US. And ev- everyone's got one. Yeah, but that happened with the Supra in our world, where you know when the Supra came yeah. out, you could say everyone had. The but my Supra videos flew. Everyone, but, but everyone's huge. everyone's Supra's videos, I think, flew at the time. It yeah. was one of those cars. Do you remember when I filmed the Yaris? I, I said I, I weirdly thought it was going to be like the A110, the Alpine, where I think every single journalist was going to say how incredible it was. Everyone said it's brilliant, but would people really care? Like, would people go so, and buy it, and would people really care? So I think it's it's twofold to this. It's, it's such a, a attainable car and everybody who has one creates content with it. So it's almost this like balance of there are loads and loads of videos about it relative to the interest. Whereas obviously the supercar type things, there's loads of interest, but not very much content. Sure. Um, I haven't yet done much driving in the GIRS, I will admit. So I'm looking forward to actually getting it down some country lanes and starting to, to, to feel what it's all about. But that was certainly a little bit of a, a surprise in terms of audience interest. Because all it seemed like everyone around us is hyped, hyped, hyped for this car. Of course, it ticks every car guy's box, mm-hmm. uh, every box for a car guy. But like I say, when I uploaded it, I was really surprised that it wasn't... I've I've sort of, yeah, almost long suspected it or, or seen it. There was just something about the car when, when it was so much noise and so much positivity, it almost lost a bit of its excitement for some reason. I was so hyped about that car, even from one of the very early teasing of it and the, the earliest rumours, like, this is going to be my dream kind of car. And yes, it's brilliant, but because I think everyone's talked about how brilliant it is, after a while, you're a little bit... It's like when you haven't seen a movie, like Game of Thrones. And you haven't seen Game of Thrones. Have you seen Game of Thrones? Because... <laughs> no, no, but because, this is exactly my example. Because it's Game of Thrones and everyone will tell you, it's the best TV series ever you're probably never actually going to sit down and watch it mm. because you're a bit like, oh, the moment's sort of passed and everyone bangs on about it. Oh, so good, so good. I don't know. I think something out there which is a little bit more different or quirky, you hear like Fiesta ST. Little, oh, it's so good, it's so good. And I actually think there would be almost weirdly more interest in something like that nowadays than a GI Yaris because everyone knows they put it. What's the interesting story? It's mm. really good. Yeah. What? There's nothing else to say. It's just really, really good. Whereas on the flip side, something completely different. Everything I do talking about my STO flies. Everything. Interesting. Yeah. Like just okay. just a Lamborghini on in general, you know, if you put if you put a Lamborghini on Instagram or you see one on Instagram, the the likes you put it on YouTube, like they're it's just that sort of brand, isn't it? You know what I mean? It just attracts attention. Full stop. I think so. It's always, you know, always a winner. If you can put them in a title, it's always it's always a winner. Um okay, so I guess <sighs> How do we round this out? I kind of wanted to ask you if there was one car which you kind of missed and regret, but I feel like LFA, Carrera GT, you kind of touched on slightly. Yeah, miss buying for sure. And so at this point, how big does the collection go, I suppose? Because I get the feeling, I know you say that other things go into it, emotion and blah, blah. But every time we've spoken about any car, you have pulled it back to content. <laughs> I don't know if you've realised that. <laughs> no, no, for but sure. Anyway, so, it's you know, a big part of it. Even, it. even the SLS, I completely accept that. Um, I make no secret that if I didn't run the Shmi 150 YouTube channel, and if I hadn't had this path, and I still had the job that I had working in an office before, I might have one nice car, because uh, I am a car guy. I would probably own, a. I would imagine, a 765 LT would be what I had just bought. And maybe I would have a Lusso as well. Mm but I certainly would not have the cars that I do have or like it, it just wouldn't be 
So do you think you've almost forced yourself to keep buying? Like, like, are you almost like an addict where the sense... Of course, from, I love it. From a, <laughs> but it is also addictive. We've spoken about like buying a new car. Like it's it an adrenaline rush. It's, it's exciting. It's a huge adrenaline rush. Yeah. But also your channel now, because you're always in or buying or, or speculating around the greatest and newest cars, are you kind of in that sort of... Not rut's a really weird way to speak about it, but if you look at the channels with big collections, uh, you know, here in the UK, JWW, TG, yourself... Over the other side, you've got um, Adam LZ and yep. uh, Stradman, maybe in some way. You know, there's that kind of thing where you kind of have to keep going, right? Like, where does it end? Of course you do. Of course you do. And I feel, you know, very lucky that I can say, hey, I would like to do that and buy that car, knowing that, hey, my business can grow off the back of it. You know, it's it's, it's kind of surreal and, and quite unique on a global perspective to be in that position. And that certainly skews the decisions for sure it, it, like there's, there's no way i would you know this year i'll probably take delivery of seven or eight cars this year and there's no <laughs> way there's no way i would do that but on on the flip side tony in the non-youtube world would you say that a lot of other collectors are actually downsizing because of global yeah. situation yeah well tim's already said he doesn't buy cars to you know, there's a big reason why he buys cars because it's his business. He's on a he's on a conveyor belt. You know, you you it keeps his business going. It's why he has to do it. Most people with that are wealthy and that that have got a lot of money, they've got a lot of money for a reason. In the general public, I mean, and they do not like losing hundred thousand, hundred. Doesn't it doesn't matter how much money you got. Most people work very hard to get that money. And, and they don't like losing that amount of money. So, yeah, uh, you know, lots of my friends over the last couple of years, it's not that they can't afford it, you know, and there's quite a lot of people out there that think that the more cars you got means that means you've got a lot of money. It doesn't mean anything at all. <laughs> I do not like losing 100 grand on a car. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't say this, by the way. No, no, I know you don't. But what, but what I'm saying is, is that that's part of your job. It's the reason, one of the reasons why you do it. The, some of these people, they're very wealthy and they don't want to blow that money and they're not doing it anymore. So they've definitely been in their collections for sure and, and having one or two or, or, or not at all. So you know. I think it's interesting to see that on YouTube, it's still a very strong formula. You know, building a collection, having mm. multiple cars, it is still of interest to an audience. But then on the flip side, actually maybe there's a move just at the moment and I'm sure it will change and recover as the world changes over the next three, five years. But yeah, other collectors, and I've noticed it on Instagram, are sometimes downsizing. But then, of course, you went to visit a Triple F collection, I think it was. Yeah, they're which, the opposite know, of downsizing. Are, are the opposite. So it's hard to read. I think, you know, we do sit here often just speculating and discussing about the supercar world, the car collecting world. And I think it's been super interesting, Tim, having you here and, and having someone who's kind of you know, right in that mix of collecting, YouTubing, and buying and sort of selling mm. the, the latest and greatest. And I think, you know, fundamentally... It, there's not a sort of rule or rhythm to it yet. Um, it does seem like it, cars aren't holding or, or getting the big overs, but there's still great cars to be bought and yeah. still fun to be had. And I think there's quite a lot of people as well. You, I know you, you guys don't like it, but you influence a lot of people. And I think what they do is they look at you and they look at you and they look at all the YouTubers and they think, and they've got normal jobs, good jobs, but normal jobs. I've got a few quid. I'm going to have five or six cars. But it's not, you know, and then they go to work and they go and do, your desk, do and do a desk job. Like what you said, if you'd done a normal desk job, you'd have two cars. Yeah. But these guys have aspirations because of YouTube and because of social media. I've got a few quid, I can do that. Just keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they start a YouTube channel three months later. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but they don't get, often get the mechanics behind YouTube and how mm. it runs and how you guys are paid and how you offset stuff and stuff like that. They just think he's buying a car, he's selling it. I can do that and I won't lose no money. They don't get it. Do you know what I mean? So the, 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 to the topic of losing money on a car, my attitude is to effectively, if I know a car is going to lose a lot, I go into it intending to keep it. Fair. So the GT Black Series, I'm not going to sell. The STO, Fair. I don't intend to sell. Yeah. Because if I was sitting here thinking, oh, I'll run it for a year and then sell it for 75,000 less than I bought it for, I wouldn't buy it. The 675 is a really good example. Where you've just kept it and just and it's just yeah yeah. By the time yeah. it started going down, I just said right, I'm keeping it. Yeah, okay. and, and yeah. enjoy it and love it and do more things with it. Yeah, because he runs it as a business and he writes it down every year 
I know a lot of people you, you won't know what write down <laughs> is, but he writes it down every year. Yeah. And over the course of the period, the time, the longer you have the car, the less you lose every year. So that's just effectively. Yeah. There we go. Well, look, it's been fascinating having you on. Thank you so much for coming and joining us. Pleasure. Uh, even if you are, me- well, you probably recovered from your jet lag, haven't you? I don't really get jet lagged you anymore. Oh no, <laughs> too much travel. Even even without much travel, the last twelve months, jet lag isn't. You're just constantly yeah. in a weird. Sleep if your own time. If you're always tired, it doesn't make a difference. <laughs> I'm gonna go for it. Schmime zone. No, that didn't mean that. No, no, Sam. <laughs> um, but of course, if you want to follow any of Tim's adventures, he's at Shmi150 pretty much everywhere. So anyway, just, you know, literally in Sainsbury's, <laughs> call out Shmi150. <laughs> I wouldn't appear. do that, Sainsbury's. Sainsbury's? Yeah. Uh, 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 stop. I got, I got him started and now I regret it. Uh, if you want to follow Tony, he's at Tony Gravelwood Car Sales. I'm at Seen Through Glass. If you want to try the wonderful Seen Through Glass blend from Perla Coffee, these are actually empty bags. Sorry, I just ruined the uh, illusion there. Um, head over to drinkperla.co.uk forward slash STG and we'll be back with you next week. Thanks for tuning in. Bye-bye. See ya. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.